I know that COVID's caused many headaches and chaos in our community with the restrictions that we've had to undergo. There's, there's the fear that's been all around us. There's the reworking of life and work to make everything happen and the financial pressures that people have been under as they've lost their jobs or at least had their hours cut back and everything's changed. But one of the fascinating things that's happened during this time is the, is the positive way that people have used the time to reevaluate, to refocus and rejig their lives. And it's resulted in uh, lots of change, change in our community and change in people's day-to-day lives. Uh, jigsaws, of all things, have become very popular and have sold out in uh, game shops and online. Uh, uh, people are out of their houses more, uh, walking, jogging, riding their bikes. Uh, bike sales have gone through the roof. Uh, that's meant there's lots of people outdoors and they're meeting their neighbours and so people are connecting in their streets. Uh, there's been lots of people reconnecting with extended family and friends from long ago that have been out of touch for years. People have changed their work patterns as a necessity in their schedules, but even when they've had the opportunity to go back to the way things were, they've, they've made lasting, permanent changes to the way things were beforehand. But it's also happened at a much more profound level as well. People have been asking the question about what really matters. Where are we going? What's the point of my life? Or what's our purpose as a family? What part does God play in everything? Does God exist? Does he have a role? And so people have been checking that out and thinking deep thoughts about that. And so as we come to the start of a new year proper, uh, as school's gone back this week, and with things still a little bit uncertain as to the restrictions that are in place and how that's going to pan out over the next little while and what we can start back up in terms of our ministries, we thought it'd be good for us to stop and to think and to refocus and to reprioritize and rejig as a church together. In a sense, we started doing that as we delved into Ephesians 4 over the summer break and, and we saw God's vision for a thriving church. But I want to take us back to, over the next three weeks to the foundational principles of our church of St Barnabas at Ingleburn and Glen Quarry that we've been operating by for over 10 years now and which some of us might not even be aware of, that there's, there's some foundational vision kind of things we did a while ago and they've shaped how we operate and what we do. And we've grown a lot since then and so lots of new people have come along who might not have heard of this stuff. But it's also good for us who've been here a long time to, to be re-energised as we look together about what we're on about and, and, and make sure that it's the right thing that's in line with Ephesians 4 that we've been looking at. And we're going to be thinking over these three weeks about three Ps. We're going to be thinking about our priority, we're going to be thinking about our pattern, and we're going to be thinking about our prayer. Today we're looking at the priority of our church, and we're seeing that in the key verse that we've always sought to shape our ministry around. Next week we'll look at the pattern, uh, what we put in place to achieve that, and the following week we'll look at the prayer that we wrote for our church, the St Barnabas Prayer, to help us call on God together that he might profoundly work in each one of us and corporately together as we seek to be about his business. The priority, the pattern and the prayer. And as we look at each of those things, I hope that as we work through them you'll be energised energize if you haven't seen them before uh, and re-energize as I said if you've been with us a long time. So today is our priority. What are we here for? What are we on about? What are we aiming to do together? What's our vision and purpose? 
What drives our church's life? It's summed up in the key verse that we chose as kind of a motto for our church in Colossians 1 and verse 28. That's what we're looking at today, Colossians 1, 28. We proclaim him, warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. The last five words sum us up. What are we trying to do? Present everyone mature in Christ. What is our purpose as a church? To present everyone mature in Christ. How do we glorify and honour God and seek to make his name famous and great? By preparing everyone mature in Christ. Presenting everyone mature in Christ. That's our priority. Let me just break it down into the four key ideas that are there. One, presenting. We aim to present people mature in Christ. What does it mean to present someone? Well, at the very least, to present someone means to make an introduction, doesn't it? Uh, You get into a new relationship, a new special someone in your life. Things are going well and you want to present the person to those others that you care about, your family, your friends, maybe your children if you have those. Uh, But presenting Someone is more than just making an introduction and saying, oh, this is Fred, this is Mary. Uh, you, you want them to be well received, don't you? And so presenting someone also means to get them ready for the meeting. And so you help that social someone know how to create a good impression with your family. You know, you warn them of the quirks and the the foibles of some of your uh, dear beloved ones. Uh, uh, grandma's going to grill you about your garden, right? And don't stare at Uncle Danny's mole that's under his eye. He gets you know very thingy about that and that weird tick that that my sister has. You know, just try, try not to focus on it. Just smile and answer her questions. Or, or even better and much closer to what's going on in our verse here in Colossians one twenty eight. What if you were to be presented? before the Queen, right? That would be a very special honour, a very special occasion. I'm sure there'd be an army of people, people you knew and people sent by the royals to help you to get ready to present you to the Queen, uh, to know what to say and when to say it and how to say it, what what not to say, right? When to bow or curtsy or, or whether or not you're supposed to shake hands, Uh, You'd be told how to dress for the occasion, what's appropriate, what's not appropriate. Presenting is about getting someone ready to meet someone. Notice it's active rather than passive. You've got to do something and it requires insider knowledge of who you're presenting them to and what the occasion is all about. And in this case, it's about presenting someone to, to someone greater than the Queen, to God getting them ready to meet God. Who is it that we're seeking to present to God? Well, the verse says we're presenting everyone, everyone. And I don't know about you, but that sounds to me like an awful lot of people. And it sounds like an awful lot of different sorts of people. That is, it's not just people who are currently in our church. It's not just the people who are currently interested in church. It's not just the people that we happen to like and to know. Uh, It's not just people who are like us in every way, which would certainly make it easy to relate to them. But it's not even people we can communicate necessarily very well with at the moment. 
It's not even just people in our area or just in our city or even in our country. This is huge. It's worldwide. It's cosmic, isn't it? Presenting everyone to God. We aim to present everyone, be they men, women, children or adults, or you know, elderly, be they single or married or widowed or divorced or something else or be they friends or strangers, be they close to home, be they far away, be they people who've got their lives in order apparently or those who are in utter chaos. Our aim is to present as many people as possible from every sort and condition of people to Jesus as best as we can, everyone. How are we aiming to present them to God? What, what would someone have to look like to meet God on good terms and not be embarrassed when they do meet him? It's not about their dress code, as it might be with our family and friends meeting that special someone or the queen. It, it's not about how they do their makeup, right, or their hairstyle. It, it's not even how scintillating their conversation is or even knowing when to laugh at the right time, right? It's about maturity about being grown up. We're aiming to present people, present everyone mature. It's about being adults in relationship to God. That's that's how we seek to present people to God, mature. One of the great challenges that we face in our culture at the moment is that people just refuse to want to grow up. Uh, We have 40-year-olds acting like 12-year-olds and I'm not sure if it's life imitating art or art imitating life because that's what's on our TV shows and our movies. People are acting like teenagers all the time in the way they relate to others, uh, in the way they act. We have 60-year-olds who are behaving like teenagers in their relationships and, oh, he's at this and breaking up and on again and with next person and uh, we have 80-year-olds in the streets swearing like troopers, like they're in a Quentin Tarantino movie and, and they're seeking to offend everyone around. They couldn't care less. What are the marks of maturity that you want to see for your kids or your grandkids? Well, you, you want them to be able to look after themselves, right? Self-sufficiency. You want them to be able to develop a degree of sensibility, a degree of wisdom, right? Thinking before you speak, uh, looking before you leap, uh, planning ahead, relational qualities of uh, like being considerate of other people, uh, that it's better off thinking about others than ourselves, generosity. They're all marks of maturity that we would want for anyone in, in just a normal human being. But we're not talking about general maturity here. This is maturity as the last bit of our key verse says, in Christ. That's the key thing. We want to present everyone mature in Christ. What does maturity in Christ look like? Well, for a start, it means being connected to Jesus Christ. That is, they're in fellowship with him. Mind you, Paul's already explained before this in the letter that people don't start off that way in Christ, in relationship. They start off out of Christ, disconnected from him as part of a kingdom other than the kingdom of Christ. Uh, Paul describes it in verse 13 of Colossians 1 as the kingdom of darkness. This is the kingdom of God's enemy, Satan, in which people dwell before they've, when they've believed the lies of Satan and, and they've been seduced away from God. And so the first step towards maturity in Christ is to be in Christ at all. That happens as people hear and receive 
the gospel of God's grace, the news that he's offering pardon to his enemies, having paid for them to be forgiven and welcoming him to change allegiance and come back to him and be part of his family and no longer his enemy. To be in Christ means to have turned away from the old ways without him, repenting and believing the good news of life in Jesus, that he's paid for our sins, he's alive again, and that it can all be forgiven and there's a restart. Now, we want that for everyone, don't we? But we want to do more than just help people into the kingdom. We want to help them grow to maturity in Christ. That is to grow up as Christians. When you become a Christian, you're a newborn baby and you want to see people grow up as adult Christians, mature Christians. And I think you can't get a better summary of the key qualities of Christian maturity than what Paul prays for the people that he's writing this letter to. The people who've heard become Christians, he's never met them and he says, I'm praying for you. What does he pray? Verse 9, and down to verse 13. He says, I've heard about you, I've not stopped praying that God might do these things in you. This is what maturity is. The maturity in Christ looks like. What does he want them to be? What does he beg God to work in them? Verse 10, that they be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. That's the first thing. That is that he, to know God and to know his ways. And not just having the information at hand. It's not about, you know, having a high IQ in terms of, you know, your Bible flicking ability, but, but it's how to know God and to use the information that, about him and his ways wisely. How to think about the world and how to think about the influences that are out there. How to be discerning. Why does he want that for them? Well, because of verse uh, 11, that they might work Walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God. That is, he wants them to grow in their knowledge and spiritual wisdom so that they can live for God in each and every situation, that they can have this relationship and grow it, that they can know what decisions to make when they're faced with options and choices and temptations, always being ready to do the right thing rather than the easy thing thinking about what will bring the greatest honour and glory to our Heavenly Father who saved us. But there's more to maturity than just that. Uh, Verse 11 again, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience. One of the signs of maturity in Christ is endurance in the faith in the face of opposition. Stickability determination to keep going and not just grinning and bearing it, but verse 12, joyfully giving thanks to the Father in the face of opposition, who has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. There's a mark of spiritual maturity in Christ, the ability to rejoice and to thank God no matter what's going on because you're part of his kingdom. He saved you and you're his and he's with you and nothing can take that away from you. Is that you? Would you describe yourself, based on those characteristics, as someone who's mature in Christ? Do you have those marks? Right? If you're anything like me, then and you've been a Christian for a while, you may see signs of them, but yeah, there's always still more growing to do, isn't there? Right? We are all of us works in progress. But these are the qualities, these are the characteristics which lie at the heart of maturity in Christ. 
being saved by Christ and then uh, growing in knowledge of God's will with spiritual wisdom, living to please God, endurance in the faith, joyfulness and thanksgiving towards him. And these are what we are hoping and aiming to see in each and every person, right? We are presenting everyone mature in Christ. Everyone, whether they are members of our church already, where we want to present their mature in Christ, or, or whether they're uh, people who we're connected to in our homes and jobs or in our community, uh, we want to, uh, or in our schools and universities, we want to present them mature in Christ. Or whether they're people we're yet to meet yet, or, or the people who are flooding into this wonderful part of Sydney in the southwest. And we'll love to do it more and more as God grows us. He gives us more and more of a heart for those around us and helps us to see that Jesus is their single greatest need. People may feel like their single greatest need is something other than Jesus. Lots of people feel that the greatest need at the present moment is a vaccine for COVID, but that is not their greatest need. Jesus is. Some people might feel that their greatest need is a job. It's not their greatest need. Jesus is. Some people feel that it might be communicating in English. That's not their greatest need. Jesus is. Right? Uh, some people want a relationship and think that's their great. No, Jesus is their greatest need. Right? It's, it, it's not to get out of the situation they're in, but it, their greatest need is the biggest thing they need is the, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we aim above all else to present everyone mature in Christ. That's what we're on about as a church and it's what God would have us be on about. Well, if that's the aim, how do we go about it? How can we even possibly start to think about presenting everyone maturing Christ? How would you go about What's the method? Well, I think that's another part of the beauty of our key verse, our motto, Colossians 1.28. It tells us how to go about it. How do you present people maturing Christ? Well, by speaking. Speaking, verse 28 we proclaim. What do we proclaim? We proclaim him, Jesus, warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Proclaiming, speaking, speaking about Jesus, talking about who he is, talking about what he means, what he means to us and, and what he means in history, what, talking about what he's done in dying on the cross and rising and you know his lordship over everything, talking about what he's going to do about what his promises are and his ability to hold on to them. When Paul says we proclaim, he's not talking about getting up in a pulpit, right? It's, it's, it's all conversations, right? It's, it's actually speaking about Jesus and getting him into our, our different conversations, speaking about our relationship with him. No one in the history of the world has ever been saved without knowing the message of Christ, People need to know the message of Christ. In the words of Paul in Romans chapter 10, he says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on the one they've not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? Right? People need to know the message of Jesus. And you might be the only person, your friends, colleagues, street uh, uh, your neighbours, family members know who's a Christian. That doesn't mean you've got to tackle them and while they're down, you know, in a judo hold, you start beating their head against the ground with your Bible and, and telling them to listen up good and proper. And it certainly doesn't mean getting a gun to someone's head or and saying acknowledge our way or die like the extremist Islam does 
or what the Crusades might once have sought to do. It's certainly not that. But we do need to communicate both the positive and the negative. He says warning as well as teaching, contradicting as well as explaining and encouraging. That is right and this is wrong. Right? Now, that's an unpopular thing in today's world, which is all about affirming everyone and everything, which says that there is no right, there is no wrong, there's only opinion. But we have to do it carefully, lovingly, but we have to do it. Why? Because we love people and we want them to know the truth and to be saved and not go on being persuaded by lies that are keeping them in darkness and away from life in Jesus. That's what we're on about, presenting everyone mature in Christ by proclaiming him, warning and teaching, passing on the words that have given us life, words about our King and our Saviour. That's our priority. That's our purpose. That's what we're seeking to do as a church presenting people to God as mature in Christ, helping them to come to know him and then helping them grow up in him. But let me conclude by asking, how do you feel about that? Maybe you're excited by it. Maybe you got, yes, I know what, I just, I, I knew we were on about something. I know, wow, that's the aim, that's great. And, and maybe it warms the cockles of your heart. You're a natural evangelist or you, you're a natural teacher and you, you, you just, that's your prayer for everyone around you. Great. Uh, glad you're fired up. That's fantastic. But maybe you're daunted. Maybe you're daunted by the scope. You know, presenting everyone mature in Christ. The whole thing just seems so huge. So unach- how do you even start going about that? Right? Maybe you're nervous. After all, who's equal to such a task? Well, I've got two pieces of news. Great news for you. Right? If you're any of those things. Right? First is that next week, David's going to look at the pattern that we've developed as a church for helping us to take people on that journey. I think it's pretty cool. And it helps break down into achievable steps and we've built it into the way that we operate as a church, which I think is quite unique and special. Uh, So make sure you turn up for part two next week. But even better than that, take the words of encouragement that come in the very next verse from our motto, from verse 29. Paul says, you know, I've been aiming to do all this stuff, presenting people mature in Christ. Verse 29, I labour for this, striving with his strength that works powerfully in me. We go at it hard, but we do it in whose strength, as we, whose strength is going to make it happen, whose power is at work, making sure that our efforts, however well or poorly formulated or flawed or feeble or funny, are going to bear fruit. God's power, God's strength, God is at work. You can be sure that as we go faithfully about this great task that uh, God is the one who is doing the work, right? He is working in us. He is working through us in amazing ways. And that's why before anything else, we have to be people of prayer, calling on God to do this amazing work that he is doing in us and through us. And so we're going to do that right now by praying together the St. Barnabas Prayer, which we're thinking more about in a couple of weeks' time. It's going to come up on the screen. Will you join me in boldly praying this to our great God? Almighty God, we ask you to glorify yourself in us 
Please use us to bring people to know Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. Lay the foundations of living for you and help them grow to maturity in Christ. Give us grace, patience, love and confidence as we seek to connect with our community and grow your kingdom in Ingleburn, Glen Quarry and our surrounds by proclaiming Jesus. Make us prayerfully dependent, biblically sharp, thoroughly equipped and sacrificially loving ambassadors for Christ. Amen.